I want you to turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 4. And what I really want to do is I just want to, I want to share some things. I want, to do, I, want to, I want you to catch, I want you to catch up to speed. Let me just set up the scene, what's fixing to happen in, in this, in this uh, portion of Scripture. If you know anything about John, Jesus and disciples are traveling from, uh, from Judea to Galilee. And what's happening, they, in those days, they had an interstate. It would be like having an interstate. It'd be like Interstate 10. There's a quick way to get there, and we're going to take Interstate 10 to get to Lake Charles. Or if I'm going to Crowley, I know this when I'm going there and I'm going to minister. I have to look sometimes because now they, days they go, they'll show you what's blocked in traffic if you look on your phone. And then some days you go, you know, i got to take 90. It's a little back road. And sometimes Eunice, and when I go there, I can either take 26 to 190 going to Eunice the back way or 97 and go up through some other back roads to get there quick. Or I go up to 10 to 13. But, there's, but what happened is they were going to this place. And it was a well-traveled road that they'd normally go to to get to that to get there. But what happened is that well path took a little, you know, if you took, if you took, didn't take the well path trail, it took a little longer to get there. So what happened is, some, what happened is Jesus goes, you know what? We're not just going to take the direct one. We're going to take a few back roads, but we're going to go through Samaria to get to where we're going to get. Now, the thing about Samaria, no one wanted to interact with the Samaritans. Why? Because this is a group of people, they were considered like half-breeds or, or, you know, it's like, oh, that's the Boudreaux from the other side of the bayou. Or, you know, that's so-and-so. Or, you know, I mean, they were concerned about what they look like, what, they, what ethnicity they are, you know, what color their skin is, all those different things. And he's saying, look, that we, nobody wants to interact with these folks. And so just Jesus wanted to say, you know what, we're not going to just... We're not going to go through Samaria. We're going to hang out and stop in Samaria. And so what happens is Jesus sends off his disciples, maybe get some, some uh, fish and chips. I don't know. But, you know, and here he is. He's, he's sitting down and he comes to a place and, and he comes. And as he's, as he's coming, he's, he's kind of thirsty and it's about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, most people would go to a well and that custom early in the morning when it was shady and it was cool the day and they would draw the water. But there was just one woman that came that morning and, and that afternoon is that, and Jesus was sitting there and he's the one, he said, man, hey, can I have a drink of water? And she's going to say, what? You want me to give you a drink of water? Why don't you get your own cup, boy? No, but what happened is she did. And he said, man, if you drink from this well and you, I'm, I'll give you water that you'll never thirst again. And he goes, What? And, she, and, he, and, and he begins to talk to her. And as he begins to talk to her, the thing that I love, Jesus does what, what he does best. He finds people that no one wants to connect to. No one wants to, everybody's trying to avoid. Someone that's feeling, because here she is, she's at the well at a time where she went to the well, she felt she had shame, she had guilt, she had a jacked up life. And, and, and not only that, what happened is she had bro- broken relationships, she had a broken life. But Jesus comes and he sits down with her and he begins to communicate with her. And he starts asking her a few questions and says, you married? Um, no. So no, I know you're not married because you, lit, you had five husbands. The man you're living with now ain't even your husband. And how many of you think she goes, say, what? She goes, I perceive you may be a prophet. And he begins to speak to her. And the thing that I love is that... Him, you can go read it, read the rest of the story. I'm going to read some of it. What happens is 
she has an encounter with Jesus in such a way that she gives her life to him. And in, in what happens, she goes and gets the rest of the village, and the whole village comes to Jesus. And so what happens here is it's in this moment, Jesus takes his disciples inside and says, Hey, guys, here, that's the backdrop. I, I want to I teach you something. I want to coach you in this. I want to show you what I'm talking about. And this morning, I think that Jesus wants to coach us this morning, speak to us about what we should be like and what our lives should reflect and how we should live our lives. Amen? And so this morning, I want you to look. Well, Jesus tells him to do this. He says, look up. And I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. From your, look up from your problems. How many you know we all got issues, problems? How many we can so, be so self, we can live these self-contained lives sometimes that we, we just want to, we just, we just, what was that? I don't know. Amen. Bless you, whatever. And what happened is, is that in the middle of that, what happens is he's in the midst of what's taking place. And, and we can be so consumed with what we're going through, what we're dealing with, and we just get locked up into that moment. How many ever just been so focused on what you're going through and you can't see anything else around you? Thank you for those amens. But what happens is Jesus is going to tell them, look up from your problems, your self-consumed life. And I mean, there's been times when I've been focused about three or four mornings, three mornings ago, I was running and it was like 55 degrees in the morning. Wasn't that nice the other day? And I said, you know, I'm going to run an extra mile and a half. And I'm, so I'm, I was running and, and I'm so locked up. And sometimes when I run, I, I, I start thinking about you know, things I'm doing, praying for, things I'm dealing with, things that other people, you know, you get... Anybody know what I'm talking about? Are you going to walk? And I'm just, I'm doing that. And I'm just kind of focusing on my life, watching my steps, hearing my, how I'm dragging my heels, pick up your heel, you know, run. And so I'm running. And as I'm running, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I hear, and I look up and there's a dog right there. And he's going, my greetings. And then there's a guy, he's like 80 something. And he got a, he's got a, uh, with a leash, holding it, and I go, everything all right? And then I startled him, and they startled me. Everything all right? Yeah, yeah it's all right. It's all right. I go, okay. Because I've been attacked by dogs, run from dogs, run at dogs, all that stuff. And I, how many of you are talking about? How many of you ever just, you're so locked in, you ever do that at night where you can't see a light and, and you, know, you know, you're trying to like for me, getting ready early in the morning, something to go hunting and stuff and you know, you don't have a light and you're just so focused on getting yourself out the room and you forgot you left the door right there and you bam and you run into it. <laughs> My son got hit almost three weeks ago with a guy focusing on a knob on his truck. He was hit at 70 miles an hour from behind. Everything bad, he's okay. But he was so locked up into, look. instead of looking up, he was just, and see what Jesus is telling the disciples, guys, and he's speaking to us this morning, you know, don't be so focused on everything you're walking through. Look up. Look up. You know, I didn't do it first service, I'll do it. I've done it before here, but Look, if, if your thumb is you, look at it this morning. Focus on your thumb. When you're focused on your thumb, everything around you, come on, it's all right. Come on, we're going to get this on video. And uh, 
When you get yourself focused, that thumb represents you and all your issues, and you get focused on that, it's hard to focus on everything else. But if you keep your thumb out there and you get your focus off of that, you, all of a sudden you begin to see people clearly and what they're going through and what they're facing. Are you hearing me? Even though your problems are still there and God will take care of them, because all things work together for good for those that love God. Amen? All things means when you're going through something, when something's tough, when you get some bad news or whatever, that's the good, the bad, the indifferent, the ugly, everything. All right? All things work together. And God's going to work out. See, Jesus tells them to look up. And see, John chapter 4, verse 30. Let's go there. They went out to town and they were coming to him. And these are the people. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. And they're like, did you give the Lord, like, did you bring him some fish and chips? No, I didn't bring you no fish and chips. Now, that's the second little, little side thing. And he said, I, I have to. And, and, and he said, so the disciples said to one, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. He says, do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look what he says. Here's the key to the whole message. And he says, look, I tell you, what does it say? Lift up your what? Eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. In other words, what he's saying, look with your eyes and see. Jesus is wanting them to open their eyes and the fields are ripe. You know, I wish I had a picture. I'd show you a field, but you know you're from Louisiana, South Louisiana. We know what a rice field looks like when it's ready for harvest. Come on. And what happened, maybe Jesus was standing on the levee, and he was saying, look at the harvest. It's ripe. It's ready. But really what Jesus was really trying to show, Jesus is talking not about the harvest of the wheat. He said there's people. That harvest represented people. How many of you know God cares about people? He's not talking about wheat or rice. He's talking about people. Listen to verse 37. Already the ones who reaps is receiving wages, gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For, the, for here they, the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that, that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their life. There, there are people sowing right here, right now, that you may never see what you reap in your lifetime while you're on this earth. Are you hearing me? My grandmother would be sitting next to Tracy this morning if she was alive. But I know she's in heaven shouting me down. She, and she's going, come on, boy. That was my nickname, boy. Come on, boy. I mean, she's my biggest fan. I'd send her. She goes, send me a cassette tape for your last message. I'd send her. Say, you said too many us. You know, and she'd, tell me, she'd critique me because she loved me. All right? And what happens is, is that they're showing. It, it, today, we, we're in a divine moment. What do you mean? The prayers, the moments of life, some will, of you, you are going to sow, but you might not see it for your lifetime. You know, 20, in, in three years, we'll celebrate our 20-year anniversary. Think about that. And then in 13 years, we'll celebrate our 30-year anniversary. I hope I'm around, okay? But we'll look back and we'll go, look what God did. And others of us aren't going to be around. Let's just say it. Come on. But we're going to be able to look back and go, look what God has done. Look what God's done. And we just go, wow, that's amazing. That's incredible. It's amazing to see what God has provided over the last 17 years. 
Not just the last three years. People have been sowing seeds of time and talent and treasure. And can I just say this? Thank you. Thank you for rolling up your sleeves. Because when it's harvest time, it's time to roll up your sleeves and get to work. Amen? Amen. Harvest is spelled W-O-R-K, work. We go, oh, it's just going to come in. No, you better get in the harvest field and start working so you can see the harvest coming. Because, see, people have, have been sowing. They say, oh, think about it. Over 270, almost 270 families have given the last three years. And we've, we've, they've sown in $475,000 just for the REACH project. Isn't that incredible? I mean, that's God. And if you're new, you're going, wow, that's a lot. I, you know what? And if you've been around with us, we've just seen. We've gone through some building. Let me, let me just tell you, it's going to happen. Over the next few months, hundreds of people are going to come through these doors. People are going to get saved. People are going to get touched. People's lives are going to change. Jesus, they're going to meet Jesus in a powerful way. What do you mean? They're going to walk through here, and well, all of a sudden, it could be worship. It could be Pastor Josh preaching or, or someone here, a guest like Matt this coming Wednesday, and just being able to share with people. And all of a sudden, they, they have an encounter with Jesus, not religion. They have an encounter with the Son of God. And all of a sudden, they go, wait a minute. The Bible becomes alive. And all of a sudden, you go, that's what I've been looking for all my life. That's what I'm believing God for. Amen? Amen? Here is the message to all of us. Look up. Look up. What does that mean, Pastor? Bro? All of us, have, can I just say, all of us have hard times in life. Amen? Amen? How many of you have been through a hard time in your lifetime? Come on. I'm not talking about you lost your sock or anything like that. That's not a dilemma. But he said, all of us have had times, and sometimes... We've got to just be reminded, it's time to look up because we have, we're hardwired the way our lives are to look in or to look down instead of looking up and saying, God, what do you want in here? What do you want to do through me and with me? See, I know this. I've lived in big cities. I've lived in New York City. I've lived in Atlanta. I've lived in Detroit. I've lived in, I've, I've lived in over 42 cities. When I, Tracy and I used to travel and I'd minister there. And I remember being in big cities and walking down the sidewalk like Seattle and said, no one looks at you. No one makes eye contact. They all look down. It's, it's not like, hey, you know, I mean, you, around here, you can be in a pickup in a gravel road, and you see someone, you go, and they go, you don't know them, but you know that might be T-Boy's bo- grandpa. You know what I'm saying? So what happens, what if you, what, what if everyone, let me just say this. Let me put a bow on this. It's not about, we are an everyone church. What do you mean, Pastor Baba? I believe that everyone should be able to have the ability to be able to walk through these church doors. I don't care if they got blue hair, red hair, no hair. I mean, I don't care where you're from, where you go, or what lifestyle you've been living. But I I know this because when you walk through those doors and all of a sudden you have an encounter with Jesus, it's not about what you want, how you want it, what you're going to do. When you have an encounter with Jesus, all of a sudden he goes, wait a minute, it's not about me anymore. It's about me pleasing God and doing what he wants. I'm going to get in this book. And all of a sudden my lifestyle hadn't been living like the Bible says right here. And I'm going to start aligning my life by what this book says right here. Thanks for all those amens. All three of you. What if everyone 
saw how Jesus sees, wouldn't things be different? What if this year, for the rest of the year, we just go, you know what, Pastor Baba? It's time for me to look up. What if we just took the rest of you and go, you know what, as a church, let's look up. Let's look up. Let's look up. See, have you ever, you ever read the Bible and you get judgmental about what you see, what's going on in the Bible? You get mad at people in the Bible? Yeah, I do. See, the first point is look up beyond your, our religious hangups. How many of you know everybody got religious hangups? Come on, let me, I'm going to share a few, okay? I remember when I was in Catholic school, okay? I was not raised Catholic. I, my mama converted to Catholicism when I was 10, so I had to go through all the motions. So I know everything about the Catholic church, not everything, but some things. And I, was, I did my first uh, communion when I was like 12, okay? I looked like albatross because all the ones were like first graders, you know? I didn't know what, I was doing what my mama told me, Okay? And I remember going to Cathedral Carmel, and I was, I was hungry one day, and I grabbed the, the Eucharist that was on this table, and I ate it. <laughs> I didn't know. It looked good. It was big. And I remember, you know, some of y'all going, my shy. Oh, no. That boy's cayenne. <laughs> and so what happened is I ate it. And my friend goes, do you realize that is Jesus' body, and you ate it. And the last person I heard that ate, did that one time, they started bleeding from the inside out. So the rest of the day, I'm checking my nose in the bathroom, all this stuff. I remember one time I was thirsty in sulfur, and they had like the holy water in this like silver container, and it was in the corner. It had like a spout, like a thing. I was thirsty. I, she go, what is your problem? That's my problem. I'm sorry. I went to the Baptist church, and the Sunday school teacher was so mean, she didn't get my quarter. <laughs> we all have religious hang-ups. You know, you can go to some church, and they go, oh, y'all play drums over there? That's the beat of the devil. Wait, what? Women don't wear, I mean, it's what you wear. Listen, let me tell you something. You need to be aware of what you wear, but God's not looking at hemlines and hairlines. Amen? Because yeah. I know a lot of people more concerned about that, but they're going to split hell wide open because they haven't had an encounter with Jesus. Are, are you with me? Because we all got those different kind of hang-ups. I mean, we have our own hang-ups. We have the traditions, and we want to hold on to. I like singing hymns. I like it. I, I actually like hymns. You go, really? You know? I mean, I mean, I know Pastor Josh tell me, you know, you know, there's talk in town. There's a lie going around the community from people who have never built anything. I, I look at people, they sit on their computer. They haven't run anywhere. They're probably 450 pounds. And they're so critical of every church that's doing anything. And they're an expert, but they've never led anybody anywhere. Are you hearing me? And when they do stuff like that, can I sometimes, have you ever seen a pastor beat somebody up? I feel like that sometimes. I'm not going to do it, but I'm just like, are you kidding me? I, I mean, are you for reals? Won't you back off that video, that screen and make, let God get inside of you instead of, you know what criticism is? A critic. And a crit, critic is just criticism. 
I've never seen criticism change anybody. I've seen churches split over the color of a carpet or a color of a chair or they didn't get the right paint color. And can I just tell you something? There's no voting on that around here. Well, I'm leaving. Let me open the door for you. See ya, wouldn't want to be ya. You say, Pastor, you sound mean. I'm not trying to be mean. If a church is getting bigger and the building, you see, well, if the church is getting bigger and they're building buildings, they must have lost their focus on Jesus. I don't go to big churches. I don't do, well, you know what? We're a bit, we're, we, God has brought blessings on us, but we're always trying to keep, stay, stay small and yet grow at the same time. That's what life groups is all about. That's what outreaches are all about. That's what we're, we're concerned about. But that's why when you come to next step and go to freedom and, and God frees you. You see, uh, Jesus would always remind his disciples, it's not about buildings. It's not about things. It's about people. Amen. Can I just tell you something? Look up because Jesus cares about people. I used to say this all the time. I'll say it this one. Well, you know what? God wants us to love people that no one wants. And if we love the people that no one wants, one day God will give us all the people that everybody wants. Because it's, it's not your bottom line and your finances. It's not who your daddy was or your papa or your mama. It's about you meeting Jesus and having an encounter with him. Look at Luke 15. It reminds us that Jesus loves lost people. And it's a story. I love Luke 15 because it's a story. There's three stories. There's one guy that loses a sheep. And you go, Pastor Bubba, what's the big deal about losing a sheep? Okay, most Americans have at least one or two cars in their household. Okay? And some people collect cars. Okay? But that would be like Tracy coming home and saying, baby... I lost the car. Because sheep were valuable to them, like you losing your car. Are you hearing me? And I'd be like, where? I mean, we would be going like, we'd be frantic. We're like, where did you leave it? I was at Walmart. Someone stole it. Did you? I clicked it. I mean, we would be searching everywhere for that car. Then there's the next parable where Jesus tells he's, he's talking to these religious people and he said it's like a, it's compared the kingdom of heaven is compared to a woman that loses a coin that's very valuable and she begins to tear the house all apart here's a modern day version there was a lady that lost her cell phone and she put it on silent and she searched the house all over and she told people to call but they could not find it but she had it on vibrate and they found it and she rejoiced she didn't have to put Apple phone $499 and you know, you know what I mean? Come on. You ever drop it and it didn't crack and you go. <laughs> and we rejoice. The third parable is about parents that lose a child. A son that goes astray or a kid. You ever have a kid that goes astray? Come on. You know, or a grandchild. Let me tell you something. God will always give you one or two. My wife and I have six children. God will always give you one or two children that keep you on your knees. Make you pray. And go, oh God, please. I have a son right now that he's in jail. 
He called me the other day. He said, Dad, I've been reading. He said, I've been reading five, six times a day, all the time. I've been going to chapel. He's been preaching to people now. I'm like, all right, you do it there, but when you get out. And he said, Dad, I was reading through Ezekiel 37. And I wanted to cry. And he goes, and it's the valley of the, it's about the valley of dry bones. And he said, Daddy, he said, God spoke to me. He said, I'm going to put life and breath in your bones, son. And I thought, praise God. I mean, he said, and he goes, and tonight I'm doing the chapel. I'm going, come on. You got your own jail ministry. Praise Jesus. <laughs> but can I, can I just speak about that? Jesus is all about not just another chance or a second chance. Jesus is the God of another chance. There's people that experience jail, that have been arrested, where that is not the end of your life. That's a turning point where God says, hey, come on. I want to draw you close to me, and I want to speak to you. How many of you have ever just blown it and you thought it was the end of your life? Come on. I've been there with you, man. When people looked at you, you ain't going to make it. You, you dog. You this. You all you are. You know, I'm telling you all this stuff. And all of a sudden, you got to get to the point where you go, you know what? Everything they said was true. Oh, God, I need you. I can remember, I mean, I was, the, I was the life of the party. I was the fun guy. I was the one, you know, get you some stuff. Be nice to you. Share. All that. Don't get me all drunk because I was sharing. Get him too, you know. But when I lay on my bed at night, the words of my grandmother would come to me. The word of God and I began to realize, I remember being lost, sitting in my room on Marie, in, my, in my apartment on Marie Antoinette, right across the street from Lafayette High School, and crying in my bed at night, and saying, God, I'm so lonely. I'm so miserable. Everybody wanted to hang out with me. I, I mean, you know what I'm saying? And all of a sudden, I just, I remember I going, I literally remember it. It had happened so many nights. I said, my grandmother said, baby, when you're, when, you're, when you're scared or you don't know what to do, plead the blood of Jesus all over you. And I remember laying in, in that bed at night going, I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead. I didn't know what I, I just pleaded it. And can I tell you something? I felt the tangible presence of God come in that room. I felt him. When I gave my life to him, I rejoiced. Are you hearing me? There are people that walk into this building Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday in a life group, and they're struggling, and they're, they're hurting, and they just need someone to be able to say, this is what I'm going through. And then when they come through those doors, they can experience the love of God that frees them, that gives them a purpose. And all of a sudden, we as a church, we can rejoice. I mean, Miss Charlene, just, she, was, she came to the church. She started bringing her family. She's got family coming now. She loved us all. She saw the men's bathroom one time. She brought me a set of horns to put in my new outdoor kitchen. And she goes, Pastor, I'm going to get you some more. Keep collecting them in heaven. Anyway. But I can I tell you something? We were like, man, come on. This is too early. But you know what? God's doing something. And we rejoice. Amen? Amen. And see... Are y'all with me? Luke 15, 7 says, In the same way, there was more joy in heaven. Look what it says. When one sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and, and don't need to repent. 
If you look when the lady found the coin, and the Bible says, and the angels rejoiced. All of heaven rejoices when we come to the place, we find our senses, and we begin to become alive, and we become real. Are you with me? See, the thing is, I want you to know, you know, we want people to see Jesus. We want you, and we want people in here, we want you to see people the way Jesus sees people. The second thing is this, is this, is look up. Beyond your own issues. All right, come on. How many got issues up in the house? Can I, I got issues. You ever have, you know, we have good issues. We have challenging issues. We have difficult issues that we all deal with. We have issues that we don't want no one to know about. Help me look up. Because beyond, I, wanna, I don't want to just be focused on me. You see, Jesus cares about things in our lives, but he wants to, us to remember his purpose and his life is the only thing that will fulfill us for everything we need. Amen? Amen? And the third and final thing is look up to see the person God wants you to love. You know how you get overly offended Sometimes when things just don't go your way or people don't say the right thing and all that. Look, can I give you a secret? What I have to use sometimes when I don't, it doesn't go the way I want to, I need to say something like this. It ain't about me. Say it with me. Say, it ain't about me. You know, sometimes we go through things and it ain't about you. It just ain't about you. And see, I believe this is it. You know, you look for the person who walks into OSC, and they, they're probably feeling out of place their first time here and all that. I remember I talked to a guy this morning. His name was Paul. He was sitting right over in the second to last row. And I started talking to him. He said, Pastor, can you sit down? I said, I'll stand up because I feel better standing up. He was okay. And he started telling me, I've checked out some play, done some things, and, but I found my home. I found my home. He goes, you know why I found my home? God been watching y'all. Really? He has binoculars. Across the street. Been watching us. I said, I've been watching what y'all say, what y'all do. And then one day when the when the flood came, I was watching y'all. And they told someone told me they were helping people out over there. And when I went over there, I saw skinny little Pastor Josh walk across the floor. <laughs> Now, he never said, I saw skinny Pastor Bubba walk across the room. That ain't happening. But anyway, full gospel Bubba. Anyway. Anyway. He said, I saw. I saw. He said, y'all just didn't talk about it. I saw y'all walk it out. You know what people are looking for? Authenticity. People want to people know, can you love them authentically? Can you live openly? And can you lead with courageousness or courage? You see, when I look at this and I think about, you know, look for people that walk in and help them. And sometimes if God doesn't bring people in here, God will bring people to you when you're not looking for them told the first service, I used to have a guy who was living in Olympia, Washington, and I was living on the second st- story, and we were a part of, I was part of a, a ministry team. We traveled all over and stuff, and I was up there, and they used to have this guy that, he was actually an alcoholic that I became a friend with. I was just ministering the Lord to him as much as I could, and on Saturday mornings, it was my only morning to be able to sleep in. 
And he'd come to my, uh, to my apartment window, and he knew where my apartment was, and he would go, hey, Bubba. And you couldn't get in the front door because they locked the doors, like what they do in apartment complexes in big cities. And he goes, hey, Bubba. Bubba, about the third time I'd go, oh, no. It's Fred. Bubba. Hey, Bubba. Let's go eat. Bubba. I'm like, okay, we're in Washington State. It would sound like someone lost their dog, but no one in Washington names people Bubba. <laughs> My associate pastor that I walked with, he had a dog named Bubba. He was a Newfoundland. You know what I loved about Fred? Every time I would just love him, he could pray for me, Bubba. He was struggling. He was having a hard time. He could bub, and I'd, I'd open my window and go, shh, Fred, shut up. Shh, shh, shh. Waking up the neighborhood. Let me get dressed. Come down. Okay, Bubba, come on. I, I got my check this week. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I walk down. He'd go make me breakfast. He'd buy it. One morning, I was taking him to church, and I was coming. He'd go, come on, Bubba, let's go. Get my car. My mom had just bought me a brand new three-piece Pierre Cardin suit. I mean, it was sweet. I mean, it was so sharp, I'd cut you with it. I'm serious. That brother was bad. And I mean, hey, that's back when guys wore suits to church. I mean, I, was, I wasn't single cupping. I was double cupping. <laughs> stepping up, baby, stepping up. And I remember, I remember I get in, I'm getting about to get in his car, and I didn't realize his springs were sticking out and everything. I got up in his car, and he ripped, I ripped my pants. I didn't cuss, but in my mind, I'm not telling you what I was thinking about. I'm going to kill Fred. We're going to bring the resurrection power. I'm going to kill him, bring him back to life. God's going to do something to me. Remember, Jesus loves that person. I love what my wife told me this week. God will either bless you with people or some people are a lesson. That's what Mother Teresa said. Some people are a blessing and others are a lesson. You see, I believe this is that if you look what it says in Corinthians, listen to this, 2 Corinthians 5. Either way, Christ's love, does Christ's love controls us or urges us on. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have, we have all died to our old life. Come on. How many of you know there's a resurrection of your old life tries to come up every once in a while? Sometimes you got to put it back in the grave. Say, oh, that, 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 no. Knock, yeah. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Come on. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped elevating others from, evaluating others, not elevating, evaluating others not from a, not from a world viewpoint or a human viewpoint. The Bible says right here, he says, at one time we, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. You remember that? Come on, you remember where Jesus was good, he was, he was, you know, blessed Jesus, the angels wore diapers, all that, you know what I mean? How differently we know him now. How different? 
I mean, I went to Episcopal school, Catholic school, public school. I mean, I went to all those different schools. By the time I graduated, I'd been to 15 different schools. Okay? And, and I look at this, and I think where we've come from as a church. We started at the, we started at the Holiday Inn. We even, we, we even preached from horse stalls. Like, not, you know, like what do they call them things with horses? A what? Well, a barn, but you know, what, what do they put a horse in? A horse stable. There you go, stable. I couldn't think of the name word. We preached from a horse stable. And people were sitting on a swing one Sunday, I remember, and the swing broke. You remember that, Tracy? You were on it. Okay, that's right. I didn't mean to say anything. I didn't mean. Have you looked at my wife? She can break nothing hardly. Anyway. The VFWs, the whatever. Are you hearing me? When we started, we got this land. It was, three, it was 3.49 acres. And had the, the, where the four-year, the four-year wasn't even there, but the building right there where the kids are and the bathrooms are, that was a little warehouse with a bridge crane inside of it. And the guy that wanted a bridge crane, and I traded the bridge crane for the sign that we have out there. And, and, and I look at, and Pastor Josh has been there with me since the beginning, Zach, and then Pastor Jamie. And I, I look at everything God's been doing through the years. And I want you to do this. This week, you need to pray for Crowley. We have, Zach and I have an opportunity on Wednesday. You need to pray. We're going to talk to some people that maybe have an opportunity to help us with some land in a building. Okay? You just need to pray. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to say any more. Can you, how many of you just say, I'm going to commit to pray on Wednesday morning? Come on. Write it down on your phone. Write it down. Don't say, don't make me feel good. You will pray Wednesday morning at, 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 at we're going to meet there at 12, but I want you to pray that God would give us favor and God would speak to this man. Because this individual we're going to talk to, he's in a legacy phase of his life. And we have an opportunity to possibly have a building and a church. There's only 30 people. And I'm going to look at that man and I say, what the heck? Are y'all going to let these dry bones die in this church when we have a church that wants to bring life to this community? What you going to do when your mama comes and you? No. What you going to do when he comes for you? Anyway. Buildings come and they go. I've been a part of building them. All the guys that help build buildings, we don't want Pastor Bubba around. He changes things. He changes all this stuff. And so, you know, all that different stuff. And so we built things. I'm not a televangelist. I'm a pastor. And I'm just trying to tell you, here's, let me just wrap this up. My passion is for you. I want you to invest. Be, inf- be informed of what's going on here. A legacy is giving something that will outlive you. Amen? Amen. Amen. I mean, I walk around here. I have different people, bankers, insurance people. People that know me. They'll come and man, God has done so much Bible from when y'all started in that, that firehouse over there. And then over here and what you've done. And I mean, can I tell you something? The children's building is not the last building we're going to build probably. That's right. Thank you for all those amens and all that enthusiasm. But anyway, because it's never about buildings. It's about people. That's why we have a thing. Reaching people, building lives. That means hope. We're a church that anybody can come to. We're everybody church. You see, I believe this is my role as a pastor is to prepare you for your eternity. To equip you to help you impact others for eternity. Come on. 
Our goal, listen, our goal isn't to live on earth forever. How many of you know that? But leave something that does. Keith Green said this. My, he, he used to preach in concerts and he'd say this. He said, hey, this is a trash can, like living in a trash can compared to what's going up there. The next thing is, listen to me, be, invite, be, be involved. People are taught and trained to be consumers in church where I really, that's where you need to get involved in a life group, get involved to serve on a dream team, get involved to go through freedom. You know, I was, uh, Melody was here, she was sitting over there at the first service and I just said, last week I looked at Pastor Josh and she was up here singing and I go, and I knew who she was, I go, man of God, who is that girl up there? I mean, I know her. She serves me coffee at Jabba Jolts doing a little commercial because I go there every, every morning to get my, my fix. And all I have to do is I have to say this, hot or cold. And she knows what to do. When she was up here singing and helping lead worship this, this Sunday and last Sunday, you know what the beauty is when I come back? I meet so many new people. I feel like an Al- Alzheimer's patient. You meet someone new every day. I'm serious. <laughs> I told you, that's what my mama used to say. You ain't right. <laughs> I don't need to be right. I just need to be right with God anyway. Just. But y'all love me, don't y'all? Yeah. All right, all right. I love you too. But the thing is, is that it's getting involved. You know, I love what Miss Joyce Etienne told me this past week. I mean, she's one of the funniest, natural, naturally funny people I know. She's told me good, clean jokes, too. And she told me, she said, Pastor Bubba, after I preached last week, she goes, you know, Pastor Bubba, I'm going to bring my reach check during the week. I'm going to come by the office. Y'all going to be at the office? Yeah, we're going to be at the office. I'm going to come by the office. I'm going to bring my check. I said, okay. So I'm, I'm busy doing something, talking to people. And she goes, Pastor Bubba, come here, come here. I got to tell you something. She goes, hmm, that's my check. I went, oh, good. She goes, you know, when I decided to bring my check, you know, I just got some land, and I'm trying to build my new house. When I decided to write my check, to come to the church to write the check, the people, they said they weren't going to come for at least a month. He said, today they put a brand new pole for me to build my brand new house. When I wrote this check out, I know you said last week, if you build the Lord's house, he's going to build you a house. He's building my house. They done put a pole. Come on. Everything's got a beginning. I was talking to my son, Zach, this morning. And he, Pastor Jacob had called him last night. He said, Dad, I talked to Pastor Jacob for two hours last night. He said, Zach, I'm telling you, God's fixing to open up some. God's going to. And he began to tell him. And he said, Dad, Pastor Jacob, did my dad ran into Me and my dad ran into this. And he goes, man of God. And he said, I'm telling you. And he said, my dad told me this. He said, my dad just recently told me. He said, God's fixing to do something incredible. I said, be ready. And sometimes, as a pastor, and, and we have, you have other pastors. Let me just say something real quick. Just a sideline. Y'all were so blessed to have the pastors y'all have. Pastor Josh. Pastor Zach and Pastor Jamie, they can bring it and fling it. I'm telling you, they can. You're so blessed. People have tried to hire our pastors before. And they go, we ain't going nowhere. 
I go, you can call them. You ain't getting them. Because you know what? There's a difference between being a son and being a hireling. Some people, oh, they got, believe me, I've been tempted to have a few people invite me to do something. I ain't listening to no kumba butada, whatever that thing is. <laughs> problem free. Life is not problem free. So I told Zach, I said, the devil's trying to kill you. Two weeks ago, you got hit 70 miles an hour. Then you got pneumonia. Then all these different things that have happened to you. One of your leaders got terribly sick. I said, God's about to do something. I know this. Every time we're about to do something or walk into something new, the, the devil tries to hit us. Listen, every, this morning, every pastor in southwest Louisiana was rebuking the rain, the storm, the devil. Are you hearing me? Because if they care about people, they want people to hear the word of God, that the word would transform them. Let me get back to the man. And so, listen, you need to get involved. And you know what? It's harvest season. And during harvest season, every farmer knows what they need to do for harvest season. They're trying to get as many people as they can to get as much of the harvest in. You know what they do during the winter? They're greasing their spokes. They're doing stuff. They're getting everything's ready, centered around the harvest. And as a church, we're called a place to be a harvest place. This is where people come. And with the harvest, you got to know what to do with the harvest. Are you with me? And so, listen to me. It's not just our responsibility to preach. Let me just say this. We're going to give a hot meal every Sunday to the people of God that are hungry. We're going to send you no leftovers, you know. Well, we got grandmas, you know. We got Joyce Meyer's message. We're going to give you one of her. No, we're not doing that. We're going to have something fresh for you. Are you hearing me? Because let me just tell you this. Your responsibility is to go look up and go, God. How can I love someone? How can I speak to them? What can I do? Amen? Amen. No, no, I'm looking at you. Amen? Amen. 